I'm probably, I would say, more regimented than Winston. I, I mean, I'm up at, at 4.30 every day. Uh, How do you uh, know I'm not up at 4.30? Anyway. <laughs> well, but also, so Winston was tell, giving me, you a hard time over coffee, right? You're more regimented, but Winston was here earlier, right. even though yes. you stayed last yeah, night. Yeah, he That's stayed it. at a hotel so like five minutes away. I flew and he in drove from in this Houston, morning and he beat you to coffee. So that sometimes it works in his favor yeah. to not have a plan. You know? <laughs> or a better so. plan. Hey, what's up, guys? Spencer Smith here, host of the Self-Funded with Spencer podcast, sponsored by Pareto Health, ClaimDoc, and PlanSight. Enjoy today's episode. All right, guys. Well, let's go ahead and kick this podcast off. We're, yeah. in a, we're in a new studio for those of folks that are watching visually. We're in a backup studio, but it's not really a backup. It's a it's nice just, backup. It's, it's a yeah. very nice backup, yeah. right? So, so I'm sitting here with Winston Elliott and Cliff Favors. You go by yeah. Cliff, right? Yeah, not Cliff. Okay. Who are both people, what was it? People Solutions? People Solutions. And, yeah. But uh, consultants over at, at Lockton. Obviously, very smart guys. This is our first uh, chance to meet, so I'm getting to know yeah, you as we, we're going to go through the podcast. But I'm, I'm really excited to dig into benefits and, and tell your story a little bit. Um, so before we do all the, the kind of the technical stuff, uh, Winston, why don't you kick us off? Who are you? And then I'll move over to Cliff and we'll Great. do the same. Um, yeah, so Winston Elliott, I'm from Houston, grew up in Houston, um, went, went out of state for co- to, to Georgia for, uh, for college and went on an Army scholarships. So then I was in the Army for a little while after that. Um, lived all over the country. I tell people got to spend my twenties jumping out of planes and blowing stuff up, and I really had a good time. But then hurting your uh, knees as well. Yeah, we hurting, about hurting, that yeah, hurting too, my yeah. knees as well. Um, but then ended up getting out of the army, um, starting a family in Houston, um, going to Rice for business school, which I really enjoyed. And we were kind of speaking about it earlier, but I, I went into strategy consulting immediately after Rice, um, and have kind of since you know, was at a previous employer and then now here at Lockton, moving into kind of the people space, uh, partly because I saw, one, it was an interesting niche that I didn't, didn't feel like was totally being addressed, not just from a benefit standpoint, but just from a, what we call like people strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just, we've kind of discussed some of it, but having my own family and, and, and the impact that some of our decisions can have if we do a good job, I think really impacts uh, an employer and employees and families uh, in a meaningful way. Yeah, and I wanna put a pin on that because I think there's a chance for us to expound upon the why a little bit with you, but in the interest of getting Cliff a a chance to say hello as well, I love the dynamic between two as well. So I've kinda gotta do a little bit more of like orchestrating here, but Cliff, why don't you tell us who who you are and some of your background uh, and then we'll pick it back up here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, First, thanks for having us on. Of course, Uh, man. Your your podcast is, is one I religiously listen to. I, I like it quite a bit, and, and a lot of your guests are, are, are very interesting, and, and I like what you're doing. Present um, company included. Yes, yeah, of, course. Company. Well, of course. Well, yeah, absolutely. This yeah. is obviously the best podcast <laughs> yeah, so far. So, yeah, yeah. Biggest viewership We're on, on here. the best podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, uh, Cliff Favors, I, I grew up in Indiana, uh, Midwest, uh, joined the military uh, like Winston. Uh, 9-11 was my senior year of high school, so, okay. again, a uh, pretty big impact on me and my trajectory as an adult. Uh, did that for, you know, 14 years, uh, got out in 2018, met my wife, had my, my children uh, during that time, uh, moved all around the country, saw a lot, did a lot. It was a, it was a good time, just like Winston. It was, it was a blast. It was probably what I needed to be doing at that age. Okay. Uh, it, it was fantastic. Um, got out, moved down to Houston. First time I've ever really been to Texas or lived in Texas. It's phenomenal. I love it. We fell in love. Within six months, we're like, oh, this is home. You know, yeah, and I feel it, it Houston though is one of those cities that feel like there's a it's a take it or leave it. Like some yeah. people are just yeah. love obsessed Houston. Some people are like, I would never live in Houston. It's too hot or whatever yeah. the excuse is. So it's very what is it about the city that both of you guys sort of gravitated to? So I 
my my fam- my wife's Korean and Puerto Rican. Uh, it, we love food. The diversity here uh, of thought and experiences. I mean, it's as good or better as New York City mm-hmm. or, or any you know major metro that you can think of. The food here is great. The experiences my kids get are phenomenal. I, I I don't think you can see that anywhere else. And I mean, I grew up in a small town in Indiana. Like I can speak yeah. to that. It is yeah. it's leagues different than than what I grew up with. Um, so it's just, and then it's also very friendly to veterans, uh, just Texas in general. Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah. It's, and uh, I, I know you guys hear this a lot, but of course, thank you guys for your service yeah, as well to this country. I always, you. always appreciate yep. getting to talk to veterans. Um, want to ask you though about, uh, you know, Houston as well, yeah, cause that I mean, wasn't home for you too. Uh, right? yeah, I'm uh, a homer. So I mean uh, like, you know, I, but, but to your point, I mean, I think Cliff kind of hit the nail on the head, but to me, it's the people. I mean, mm-hmm. no one's going to Houston cause they're like, man, I just love the look of freeways in the morning, you know, like it's, it's <laughs> humidity uh, and yeah, it's really yeah, it's me stimulated. But, yeah. uh, but no, I mean the, to me, the people make all the difference. And I think Houston's one of those places that is very entrepreneurial in nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, people work really hard. People recognize working hard. Um, you know, it's funny cause you have these little riffs with, <clears throat> excuse me, with Houston and Dallas and things like that. But like, yeah, I grew up an Astros fan. I grew up in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love it there. Don't get me wrong. Come July and August, I'm trying yeah, to get every to Colorado year my wife or this, somewhere else. At this time of the year going, yeah. what are we still doing? Right. Here? It's yeah. 107 degrees or whatever it's yeah. going to be yeah. today. We came back humidity. from Colorado yeah. and it's just like, what, why do why? we do this why to do ourselves? Yeah. 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 Well, we do it because we love it. And like you yeah. said, economy uh, is strong here in yeah. Texas. I think it is the people for me. I, I've been here most of my life, exception of, of college in Missouri. And, you know, people in Missouri are great people as well. But, yeah, there's just something about Texas. There's a vibe. Yeah. There's a friendliness. People are open. They're helpful. They're cordial. Yeah. Um, that is a different feel than you get uh, everywhere else. I want to come back to, if we don't uh, mind, Winston, kind of your why. Because oftentimes I'll ask the question, well, how would you get into benefits? And there's all sorts of answers across the spectrum, yeah. right? But some people intentionally get into it. Some people have a legacy of family that gets into it. People like me accidentally fell into it and found a, a home here. But you have a story, I think, that sort of not necessarily was the only reason why, but did compel you to have interest in healthcare. So if yeah. you don't mind, if, if you'd share that. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, the immediate reason is exactly what you said. I mean, I worked at KPMG and I was doing strategy consulting and I was traveling four days a week and, you know, also had a family and so I was gone a lot. So really whenever I first started in this industry, it was like, wow, I can consult and work with clients, but I don't have to travel all the time. And when I do travel, it's kind of when I would, you know, I I can control that. But no, I mean, I think the bigger reason and is, so when we had our daughter, my daughter's eight now, um, we found out at like the 20 week sonogram, you know, when they kind of do the the picture, they check their heart and they check their brain, all that kind of stuff when you, you know, you're, uh, the baby's in utero. But anyways, we found out our daughter had a congenital heart defect and it was, you know, pretty intense. And so we actually lived in Italy in the army. We had just gotten there. We thought we we're going to be living in Europe for four years yeah. with the military and the military did what one of the nicest things that, that they do. And they're not always, you know, going to make exceptions for everybody, yeah. that kind of thing. But, uh, but they did what's called a compassionate reassignment, moved us back to Houston. So my daughter could be born at Texas children's. That's great. Um, and when she was born, she had, you know, five days later, she had open heart surgery. Um, it went well, but she was in the CVICU. And you're watching all these kids, you know, who are in the CVICU uh, going through this, yeah. you know, process. And you're just thinking, one, I mean, nothing matters in the world when your kid is, mm-hmm. you know, sick or in trouble. But then the other part that, you know, didn't hit me, I think, until later, which we were talking about, it didn't, once I started realizing what we do for our living now is there were other families that I didn't see at the hospital all the time. And so I was like, you know, thinking as a parent, like, how are you not standing next to your you know, your daughter, your son in mm-hmm. the CVICU. 
not realizing they were at work because they needed to pay for the benefits that their child was getting. So they were going through this extremely taxing, you know, situation from their, their kid is in a hospital bed, you know, hopefully going to be okay, but maybe not. And yet they also were having to balance financially mm-hmm. having to pay for it. And so, you know, I'm not going to say that that's why I dove headfirst into, into benefits, but that's something that we're, it would it be hard about. to avoid that as an area of interest though. Right. I think two things right. are at play there. One, the, we forget sometimes to praise how um, dynamic modern medicine is, the ability yeah. to do open heart surgery on mm-hmm. a five-day-old right. successfully you know, is, is mind-boggling yeah. to me, right? So the scientific side behind that is incredible. The other side of that is, is people do forget the impact financially to human beings. I love the fact that Lockton calls it people solutions. Yeah. We always talk about this vague, this employer, right? We're yeah. trying to help the employer. That's a faceless entity that doesn't have any connection to humanity. We forget sometimes that like there's human beings that are impacted directly by the choices and the strategy that you guys put right. into motion as consultants. And I love the fact that like we can talk about the human yeah. element and that it, it did stimulate you to a degree to, to join. Cliff, I don't know about you, but what was your, what was your lean in moment or how did you discover the, the healthcare industry? Was there anything that triggered that? Pareto Health is the manager of the largest employee benefits group captive in the United States. And it's also now the main sponsor of the Self-Funded with Spencer podcast. I chose to partner with Pareto Health for three main reasons. Number one, their dedication to improving the world of health benefits. Number two, their mission to reduce volatility and to make self-funding simple for mid-sized employers. And number three, the strength and scale of their program. With over 2,300 member groups and more than $1 billion of stop-loss premium under management, Pareto Health is the most robust solution of its kind in the country, period. Stay tuned for more information because I'm sure I'll be featuring them on an episode of the podcast very soon. Visit Pareto Health at ParetoHealth.com or follow them on LinkedIn to stay up to date on the latest news and developments. Yeah, so uh, much like you and Winston both, I, I kind of fell into it. Uh, in the military, I didn't even know this existed. You know, we, yeah. we have a, you know, uh, a centralized health care, a TRICARE that, that we use, and it's just... It's one thing you don't think about it. It's not the best, you know, we won't get into that, I think. But when I got out, my first job in 2018 was with Johnson & Johnson uh, here at, at, in, in Houston. So Methodist was, you know, one of my biggest accounts, MD Anderson, all, all the, the, the big facilities. So my, my experience with healthcare was very much on the care side. Okay. So I, I observed that. I was, I was in the ORs. I, I was, you know, around listening to physicians and, and, and patients. So I, I kind of was able to absorb what the system looks like and feels like. And just, I happened to have, when I was in the military, my, uh, my executive officer, when I was a commander, his godfather essentially was a, a, an acquisition by a, a, a broker okay. uh, firm uh, out, of, out of Houston. And he was looking for uh, talent that had one leadership experience, which, which I had uh, a lot of from the military, and then business development sort of uh, experience as well. And, and he said, hey, I actually do know a guy down there. Uh, so we got in contact over a period of about six to eight months, uh, kind of recruited me, introduced me to the industry. And I, and I thought, wow, like I've seen sort of the care side if, if I can help, you know, in any way, you know, shape or form this industry, because mm-hmm. we've talked about there's, you know, there are, there are issues. They're not unsolvable, but they're, they're problematic. So if, if I'm in a position to help employers, which we just talked about, and then the patients of it, you know, live better lives and, and be, you know, not 
discouraged to seek care because of, of a cost, then, then it, was, it made sense. And what did you recognize at that point early on that that's the type of impact you could have? Did you, did you recognize that the barrier to entry for most people was the out-of-pocket expense side? Like, was that, did you have an introduction to that? Did somebody share that with you? I'm curious how you, how you noticed that. Yeah, no, so that's, that's a great question. Uh, so yes, at Johnson & Johnson, you know, I don't interact with patients. That, that wasn't my job, but I would see it. So to, to Winston's point, I would see husbands, you know, dads, you know, mothers come in in their work clothes just because they've got, hey, I've got 20 or 30 minutes. My brother's in here. My wife's in mm -hmm. here. I'm going to drop some food off. I'm going to spend some time with them, hopefully catch the ear of the doctor for a couple of minutes. And then and I've got to go back to work. Yeah, yeah. And, and you see it. And it, it's it's not an uncommon occurrence, which is disappointing, you know, that, that they have to intentionally carve out time so that they can go spend some meaningful time with somebody that they care about who's receiving treatment. So that was, that was where I saw like, Hey, this is expensive. And it also, I'm now paying for my healthcare yeah. insurance for myself. And I'm looking at, it, I'm going, wow, going, this Whoa. is really expensive. Hold on a second. You know, yeah, I'm yeah. paying a premium. And then when I want to see the doctor, I have to yeah. pay more money. So yes, it, it was looking at that. And then, you know, going through Rice, so I got my MBA at Rice uh, as well as, as Winston. So I kind of started to look through a business lens and say, hey, yeah. there's probably a better way to do this. And, and if the function of that is, is through, you know, a, a broker consultant firm, you know, style uh, business approach, then that's probably well, you the kinda, next You can move. pick your lane, right? Like we were yeah. talking about earlier, none of us are going to solve it the healthcare problem right. at large. You got to pick your lane of what interests you and where you think you can make the most impact. I would curious, I want to hear both of y'all's perspective before we sort of move on from this topic. Transition from military, mm -hmm. civilian life, like whether advice or your experience, I'd love to kind of hear what it was like to leave that world behind and enter this world. I know you're still in the reserves, yeah. right? Um, but like what you would say to folks that are considering that, if there's anybody in the military that's listening or, you know, what you, what you kind of learned through that, that transition that you would want to share. Yeah. You might I'll just go first, yep. I guess. But I mean, I, I think that one of the bigger things, it's, it's kind of freaky to people, Is you know? It, okay, I mean, yeah. yeah, I think that it's, you know, it's taking that step out. There's plenty of people who are like, okay, I want to get out of the military. But then when all of a sudden now you're out trying to figure out, we had a little bit of an, I don't want to say easier, but a different path where like, it sounds like you had a job pretty much lined up mm -hmm. pretty soon after I went right out of the military, right into business school. So I had kind of an avenue that I was going to figure out my corporate life or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's kind of scary. One thing that I found that was super helpful to me and what I would tell other veterans as well is you're not going through it by yourself and mm -hmm. to reach out to whatever city you're going to. So, you know, again, we're big proponents of Houston and, and the Houston veteran community, I think is probably the best in the nation. Of course, not biased at all, but, um, <laughs> yeah. but, but I, I reviewed a bunch of resumes. I still review a bunch of resumes. I still have conversations with guys and gals that are getting out who are like, you know, Hey, what do you want to do? And then, and then we connect them with people who are in that industry. So rather than saying, Hey, I think I want to go into finance or, and in, you know, whatever it may be, we're, we're basically saying, Hey, talk to someone who's done that for a while and get an idea of what it's like, you know, because I went to a couple of things where they're like, what's the difference between an investment banker and an investment manager, which is basically like a wealth manager. And they asked a room of veterans whenever we were in business school. And I think one person raised their hand out of 20 something. Yeah. And because, but like, why would we know the difference? Right. You know, just like we would say the, you know, difference for different military jobs and people wouldn't know that. So I guess long story short is to say like, you're not going through it by yourself and to reach out to others who've kind of been there ahead of you and maybe see like, Hey, maybe I need to touch up my resume. Maybe I need to understand how my military experience, because a lot of people come out like, well, I was a leader and it's like, that's great. But you led people who were legally obligated to do what you had to, to yeah, you, what yeah. you told them to do. So how do you lead when people aren't 
you know, legally obligated yeah. to do what you have to say. So, yeah. What about you, Cliff? Any, any perspective you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, I, I would just piggyback the, the biggest and most useful tool a veteran has in getting out is that network of veterans who have already walked that path. So reach out. If there's an industry you think you want to go into, reach out to people in that industry. It, we're all willing to help, which is what I found. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't know anybody if they, were, they had a, a unit in common or a friend in common. Just reach out. 99% of the time, they're over the moon to help you, you know, solve a, a, a life problem. Well, which not is if it's universal, but this, I would say this industry, uh, I've noticed, is very, very willing to help. Like, it is oh, literally yeah. just an ask away yeah. Uh, yeah. for most of the time. Yeah. And even people that are very seasoned and very high up in leadership and positions, if you just ask a question, most of the time you will get an answer. You will get real good uh, advice as oh, yeah. well. Yeah. And I don't know if that is unique to the benefits industry, if that's maybe just Americans in general. I don't know. But this industry seems to be very, very helpful, especially. Yeah. Well, so you, you kind of touched on it. it so military, we, we talked about it earlier. It, it's, I believe if you're in the military, you, you have a predisposition, predisposition to service. Mm -hmm. And yeah. this industry is not unlike that. It's, yeah. it's one, a big problem that needs solved. Two, it, it's a problem of service to people. How do we take care of families? How do we keep businesses in business? You know, how do we do that? So it's, it's very aligned with that service mentality, I believe. And I think that probably is part of, of your point right there is everybody in it is generally in it for the right reasons, which I, means I they're going to yeah. Yeah. We, 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 we Occasionally, we critique practices within the right. industry. Very careful not to critique people too much or suggest yeah. anybody's doing the wrong thing. There are things that I think are suboptimal, if I want to say it that way, that behaviorally happen within this industry. And incentives, we're going to talk about incentives. Yeah. Um, you know, people respond to incentives right and yeah. if the incentives aren't properly aligned with everybody involved then of course they're still going to gravitate to that incentive for themselves uh but like i would actually ask you guys now as we transition into let's talk some locked in let's talk consulting mm -hmm. but real quick what what is it you know about locked in that attracted you both and maybe even we talk about how you guys ended up hooking up and, and being becoming friends and working together and all that stuff we haven't really covered that as well yeah but let's let's bring locked in into the fold then yeah too so we, we were both uh, at a different firm before this, but yeah, for, for Lockton, I mean, I looked at it as, uh, I think one of your previous folks just said, hey, everyone, everyone who's top you know 20, top 30 broker is either private equity backed or publicly held. And that's actually not true because Lockton is the ninth largest broker in the, in the world or in the country, one of the two. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but either way, we are what we, what we call perpetually private. Okay. Uh, meaning we are we are privately held and it is you know Lockton is owned by the um, Lockton family and the partners like like ourselves at Lockton. Okay. And so there's not shareholders, there's not extra pressure from a private equity firm or anything like that on how we uh, you know help our clients, the resources that we get, the team members that we get. I will say one of the things that has been kind of mind blowing to me just about a year and a half into my time at Lockton is. The, not just the resources, but the quality of the people that we have that we work with on a daily basis is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, and just something that I, I, I knew of um, and I had heard from other people. But once I started seeing, we have a chief medical officer. who's We have three or four uh, medical doctors who are on our staff who work here at, in Dallas and we work with on a daily basis, people who do medical coding and things like that. So that way when we're going through and we're saying, hey, these these claims seem a little bit off. Yeah. We have a full medical staff that will basically do like a grand rounds type of, you know, dive into a situation 
and raise a red flag that, you know, some claims uh, are happening that shouldn't be happening. And they, and they do that, you know, they are locked in, they, they work for lock. Well, and how, how do you think the, 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 I like the nomenclature you use perpetually private. How do you think that alters behavior or changes behavior in a direction that you think is actually more beneficial, right? Or like, cause it, it's the suggestion of making that distinction means I think it's driving different right. actions as a result of that. Yeah. So what do you, what do you guys think about that? Either one of y'all. Yeah, y'all. Yeah. I, and don't feel like I'm not interviewing one of y'all. Y'all can chime in. Nah, whenever. Nah, yeah, yeah. All good. Yeah. I, I usually will let Winston talk first because yeah, it's likes, just easier likes, yeah. on the back yeah. end to clean he, up. He's been talking more than I <laughs> <laughs> um, No, I, I, so I, I think, it changes the incentives for, for us. So we're not beholden to uh, an analyst prediction where we've got to hit quarterly projections. We're not, you know, beholden to a, a PE firm's, you know, EBITDA requirements mm -hmm. or IR requirements or whatever it is that they're asking you as, a, as an enterprise to do. We're only beholden to the clients. If we're not doing a good job for our clients, then they, they will change. Yes. You know, they will find another partner. As they should. As they should. Yeah. Uh, but... Our focus is 100% on the client. We're, we're not distracted by periphery guidance from, you know, shareholders or, or other outside entities. It's, we make our decisions with the client's interests in mind. And you guys said that, that like constant aggregation or acquisition mm -hmm. isn't part of the strategy as well, right? And I, I've, I've seen both sides of that spectrum, right? There's a push for organic growth. There's a push through growth through acquisition. Sometimes the growth through acquisition doesn't go as smoothly as it's maybe suggested it will because it's, quite frankly, it's hard to take an entity that's been independent forever, slap a new label on it, and then turn them into yeah. something bigger, yeah. right? It doesn't always work. Sometimes it does, right? And some, some entities that aggregate are better than others, right? But how do you think, because Lockton has had a different MO, Again, that shapes the conversation you had, the story that you get to tell. I'm sure you're bringing that into yeah. the table so, in prospect meetings and stuff. I mean, right? that's a great point. I mean, to your to your point exactly, that's what I used to do whenever I was uh, a strategy consultant at KPMG was, you know, you would look at these acquisitions and then you would say, they'd be like, well, financially, in like a financial model, this is great. And we have all these synergies and stuff, but they didn't take into consideration the culture and the incentives that were on each different, you know, one group might be eternal paternalistic one group might not be as much and so when you put these two organizations you know once i feel like reality sets in a financial model can be blown up pretty quick yeah if you yeah. just put a little common sense to it <laughs> yeah um that's like the gps that calculates your route and takes you in this really weird yeah. and like wait if i just go straight right here i know yeah. that's better and ends up it'll recalculate and it's actually and it turns actual, out you're, you're like right. what are you doing you're like, like, Google, a logic get it together in that. you know <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, what are you guys doing out but there? so i you know i think the other thing to emphasize though is, is i talk to folks and you know very large agencies lots of vendors, lots of big carriers. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's the people, the human beings yeah. that you're mm -hmm. operating with is, is more important perhaps than the logo on the business card. And so I want to talk to you guys about your, your personal strategies. And I do want to talk, when you guys say the phrase people solutions, again, I think that's a really cool phrase, but I want to understand that better. So yeah. maybe we start there and then I would like to hear from both of you guys, kind of your independent strategies, what you guys do well independently, and then maybe how you guys kind of coexist and broker yeah. too. But let's start with people people solutions. What's that mean? Yeah, I mean, so, so for us, it's just, what we kind of talked about a little bit before this is being able to be a, a broker and go out and, hey, I'm going to save you 10% on your, your insurance is table stakes and also just a very transactional conversation. 
what we're aiming to be is trusted advisors to a business owner or a CFO or an HR director, whomever it may be, to say, hey, here, you know, we're having these issues, not just on the healthcare side, but maybe, maybe we're having issues, you know, just on the retention side, mm -hmm. or maybe, you know, from a compensation standpoint, or maybe, you know, we've got succession issues where we're, we've got yeah. a next, the next generation of leadership coming up into our company. And we don't, we've never actually done any leadership training or anything like that. So we're having these conversations that, again, is not just a function of HR, but a function of the overall growth and, I guess, future of a business. And so we want to place ourselves at the table and, and want to be invited to the table to have those conversations with business owners and with CFOs, because we feel like we can bring a little bit of a different aspect. We talked about this beforehand. We've only been in the healthcare space but the, between the, you know, the two of us about five or six years, mm -hmm. but we have a lot of experience in terms of building teams and leading teams. Yeah. And so we're able to hopefully hone in on that and be an advisor and, and, and help them with that. So hopefully that kind of answers your question from yeah, no, a I mean, more just, holistic I like standpoint. The, the because it suggests there's a lot, one, there's a lot more that can fall under that umbrella, but right. then by labeling it people solutions, of course, it's the human being, right? The human element that gets interspersed within that as well. I'm not just a broker. I'm not just a consultant. There's a lot of things that we bring to the table. Now, uh, kind of piggybacking on that, Cliff, some of those solutions I think that are brought to the table might be from solution partners, like vendor partners as well. Right. Not everything perhaps is, is in-house. Like what are some of the conversations that you guys have outside of benefits that you're talking to business owners about? PlanSight is a complete game changer in the world of insurance brokering. As a broker, you know how time-consuming and error-prone the traditional RFP process can be. But what if I told you there's a better way? PlanSight is the only end-to-end -end RFP solution on the market made specifically for benefits agencies. It's like having a superpower that gets you an average of eight to 10 hours back per employer renewal per year. And the best part? PlanSight supports all carriers, all funding types, and all group sizes for over 20 different benefits. If you're ready to make your RFP process faster, more efficient, and more profitable, it's time to call PlanSight. Visit PlanSight.com now to book a free demo and discover the future of insurance renewals. Yeah, no, that's a good question. And it is the, how are we providing value beyond, you know, going to market? Yeah. Um, so people solutions, just to touch on that real quick. It's, it shouldn't be a math problem. It should be a people problem. How does that translate beyond, you know, benefits? So if we're talking to a portco for a, a, a PE firm, they're, they're looking at the different drivers for them. What is a PE firm? One of them, they want EBITDA, they want more margin, they want all that. So we come in and we say, Hey, look, you've, you've got to have the right talent in place. You, you can't afford to lose key people. Mm -hmm. You want to grow obviously as a business. So how do we take care of you so that you're meeting your obligations to let's call it this PE firm or the market. It could just be the market. How do we do that? So if we reduce turnover, for instance, over a three year period of time, the PE group is happy because now that trickles down to enterprise value. So when they transact in however many years, whatever that is, they're now inter, uh, mm -hmm. transacting at a higher enterprise value. And that company now is more stable. So you, you reduce turnover problem, then you can start stepping into succession issues. Then you can look at leadership programs. And all of that really is gonna be tied together by a total rewards or a benefits plan that makes sense for the company where they're at and where they wanna well, be. Well, I think we'll touch, we'll reconvene on the subject later, but I do wanna make the point now, and I ask you, like, do you guys feel the role of the benefits consultant is continuing to evolve and more for more is coming your direction, like you guys are being oh, yeah. tasked with more. Okay, yeah, yeah. especially as we move into the big picture stuff, I think that's important to talk about, right? Because I've always been sensitive to the fact that you have a lot 
that you're expected to understand and know as experts. And every single day, there's more that seems to be lumped on the consultant's plate because they're not really sure where else to, to send it, right? So right. I'm sensitive to the fact that you guys are continually being asked to do more and more and more and figure it well, out. that's like, where that team yeah, comes in, like yeah. you were saying. I mean, yeah. that's where I'm okay, and I know Cliff is the same way. I'm okay to say I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I might, you know, say in a more tactful way, <laughs> um, but you know, the, there's, there's just things, like you said, there's so much out there and that's where having a team, having a stop loss expert, having a pharmacy mm -hmm. expert, um, we're also one of the only groups locked in. We don't have our own, uh, uh, you know, we don't have our own pharmacy coalition because we feel like if we had our own, then we'd be incentivized yeah. to push it. Yeah. Right. And so we don't have our own, we advise on which one to go with and we're not against consultant led, uh, uh, consortiums or, or, or uh, what's the word I'm looking coalitions. for? Coalitions. We're not against coalitions. Yeah. We're against we're, broker we're against, coalitions. We're, yeah, we're against yeah. broker Fair coalitions. Enough, yeah. Sorry. Well, that's okay, miss, right? And I think there's up, two but. things there, right? There's the incentives, which I really want to pick up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other thing, though, is I think knowing when to delegate. And I yeah. think yeah. that's that kind of the piggyback to my statement earlier is I think in the past, consultants also internalize that obligation and we're scared to not know yeah. and we're scared to outsource responsibilities to a solution provider instead. Yeah. Yeah. It is so complex nowadays. You have to have somebody you can go to today and ask a really complicated PBM question because there's no way you're going to be able yeah. to know that with the 10,000 other things that you're supposed well, to. Well, if you try and do it and you don't know what you're talking about, you've it's just worse. totally yeah. ruined yeah. your you, credibility. You've created yeah. a problem for yourself, right. for your company, for the for the client. 100%. And it's, it, look at any of the, the the big consultant firms, there's their they're teams. There are teams that go out and do a project for mm -hmm. a client. It's not an individual because like you said, it's that's a task too big for a person. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make sense. And if that's what you're selling is my expertise, then you're going to fall short eventually. And, it, and it's not well, going to Even though like, people from the outside look at me as a stop loss expert, I kind of position myself yeah. that way. Mm -hmm. But also, I, I guess I could understand why I get that label. I still ask questions on a daily basis of other people on my right. team. I don't know the answer to absolutely everything. And that's in the one narrow thing yeah. that I'm expected to right. know, right? So again, that's, that's why I, I'm always like cautious. I never want to criticize consultant industry at large. Yeah. It's more just the behaviors. And so let's go into the behaviors, the incentives, right? We were yeah. talking about over coffee, some of the misaligned incentives, especially around compensation. And yeah. I know we all mm -hmm. have an opinion about that. But like you guys also had the advantage of starting five or six years ago and not starting 25 years right. ago, yeah. right? So yeah. it's easier to come in with a clean slate. But give me y'all's perspective on the way, kind of the proper alignment of compensation and yeah. structure and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I always want to make sure that I'm on the same side of the table as my client. And so if we talked about earlier on a fully insured, you know, if, if they get a if they get a 10 or 15% increase, essentially I'm getting a 10 to 15% bonus that year right. off of my inability to help them to control. And, I, and obviously some things are out of your control, yeah, of course but at yeah. no point should my client be watching, you know, basically they're them and not, again, not just the faceless employer, but a cost that's being passed on to mm -hmm. the families of that employer. And I'm getting paid more Enriched. because yeah, of that. Yeah, and yeah. I think that you've, you've done a good job of bringing that up with some of the past guests. And mm -hmm. that just, like ethically, morally, where Cliff and I come from in terms of how we, you know, treat people and how we want to be treated, that just didn't, wouldn't sit right. So, I mean, usually whenever clients say, well, how do you get paid? You know, I kind of open the 
turn it around a little bit and say, well, how, what makes you comfortable? What's a good, what do you think is a fair value for how we do this? And we'll do either a flat fee or sometimes uh, what I've liked to do in the past too, is let's say we, we put a max fee on there. So it's not to go above certain amount, but if we do get commissions from whether it be stop loss or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. it goes to the, to the client to yeah. then be able to use for, let's say they need a call center. Let's say they need, you know, something, something else out yeah, there. There are certain products that I don't get big into ancillary and volunteer yeah, products. Yeah. There are some yeah. products where like commission is just in it. There's yeah. no mm-hmm. way to, to right. deconstruct that. So I get that. But does that commission then, you know, you can yeah, decide, what does it, it go to for? me? Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. And yeah. like I, now I'm driving around a Maserati and you're like, wow, that, that was really you yeah. know nice for you. Or are we able to sink it back into your business? Exactly. And then you don't have to go ask for more budget because that's a problem a lot of times is the HR folks are given, you know, one to two people for a giant company have a, have a, not, not a huge portion of the budget and are asked to take care of all the employees and do a million different things. And so we want to help them create more value with whatever budget they have. So if we can find creative ways to like repurpose some of those funds to be able to bring in a mental health uh, program mm-hmm. or something like that, that that's top of mind for them. We're, we're all years on how to try and do that creatively. Yeah. I want to get your opinion creatively. too. Oh yeah. Did you I'll finish your thought? If you had no, some, yeah. What Cliff about you guys? No, I like this guy. I like this guy. Yeah, I'm like so I'm like struggling with words for thought, once. Thought, yeah. thought complete. Yeah, uh, and, no. Uh, and uh. no, I I mean it, this. So this was something that was uh, frankly a little disappointing uh, coming into the industry is is how the the finances work within it. Yeah, um, yeah. And we talked about this. One of my big things is. I do not like fully insured plans as a general rule. Yeah. Um, and we've talked I'm about I'm with it. you there. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, well, I mean, on the average, podcast is called self-funded. It's not yeah. fully insured. Yeah. 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 I've made that joke before. Yeah. Uh, you know, we said it on average <laughs> over time, you will save money and provide more value to your employees if you're self-funded. So why doesn't that make sense for most employers? Mm-hmm. I get it. There's going to be outliers and exceptions. I, I, I get that. But generally speaking, yeah. it makes a lot of sense for them. Um, so that's, to answer your earlier question about market, that's the market segment I, I, yeah. I approach and, and, and I feel is a better fit for my personality, my my internal drivers, sort of my skill set is to to work on that transition from fully insured to self-funded. Okay. Um, but again, what it serves to do is, is ideally align those incentives too. Well, and I want to add on to that because I think we talked about there is a way that you might even put some fees at risk, right? And I don't, yeah. you don't have to do yep. exact amounts or anything, but you know, structurally or directionally, what do you mean when a fee might be at risk for performance or performance guarantees? What does that yep. mean to you guys? Yeah, so we'll, and this is my practice. Uh, what I'll do is I'll put 50% fee at risk. Okay. So what we'll do with a client is we'll identify KPIs to hold against uh, for that Cliff, fee at what risk. what does KPI stand yeah. for? Yeah. Key performance indicators. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. So we'll, You're just throwing we'll, out all these acronyms <laughs> and it's very military <laughs> yeah. of you. We'll, uh, and everyone's like, excuse me? What, what we agree. Say? Thank you, Winston. Yeah. <laughs> we agree on what those KPIs are and what the time frame form was. And then we reveal them. Yeah. And, and it's it's very black and white. If we have not met the goals for those, then, then we do a, a tiered fee, you know, not payback because we can't rebate, but we'll then slide that money into an account that the employer can then use for whatever they want yeah, to use. Yeah, so, but I think you may, I want to make sure to clarify, the employer and you are sitting down together and saying, this is what this I'm is yeah, what we're agreeing yeah. to be. I, I'm That's not in a vacuum saying, hey, I'm comfortable not yeah. getting paid if I don't do this. It's them saying, hey, this is what we expect. I agree that they're realistic. And we sit down and we say, okay, yes, that is what we will be held accountable to. Well, how do y'all feel about the flip side? I'll come to you once. So how do you feel about the flip side of that where some brokers will do a performance guarantee where there's additional monies to be mm. earned 
whether through savings or uh, you know, yeah. better than expected performance. So like, how do you view that structure? Or, I mean, yeah, is it more difficult to quantify? Yeah, I mean, and that's what I'm gonna give you a very consultant answer. Please. It depends. Yeah. It depends. And, yeah. and yeah. I think that everyone has their own, but as long as you're sitting across and you're both being from each other and you're being transparent about how you get paid, where it comes from, mm -hmm. and then the, what you perceive the value to be, I would also flip the expectation to the client as well and say, hey, here are, the, here are your expectations of me as your consultant, as your broker, but at the same time, here are my expectations of you. And yeah. not like, obviously I'm not telling like, hey, this is, I expect you or I'm just gonna cut you. But if we're gonna, if we're, if we're going into a partnership and we talked earlier, one of the, sometimes we'll be like, well, our, uh, our benefits uh, vendor. And I never like being called a vendor because it's just very transactional. Mm -hmm. We're, we're partners in this and we're help. We're partnering with you, but a partnership means mutual and equal trust. Yeah. And so if we got it, we need to be sitting across from each other at the table and saying, this is what we're going to be doing together. And that's what I think that to your point on the people strategy, and you were kind of talking about our specific kind of ways that we approach business. I, what I've seen, and I think what Cliff has seen as well, whether it be in business school, whether it be in consulting, is a lot of companies like to talk about their three to five year business strategy or financial mm -hmm. strategy or whatever, but a lot of them aren't talking about their people strategy. How are you gonna hire people? How are you gonna retain people? How are you gonna grow the next you know, wave of leadership yeah. Yeah. to help you achieve whatever your business yeah. and financial goals you are? You plan to move into a market, how are you gonna how support you gonna that, that growth? How are you like, gonna find that? And people are like, like, well, we're gonna hire the best people. Great. Girl, awesome. How are you going to do How that? You, you do know, that? and yeah. so it's like that second and third level question yeah. that I think is our job to ask. That again is maybe totally outside of healthcare. Yeah. But it's saying where do you Even want the business? Even if you be? have somebody you know that can help like how, right. how valuable to a business for you go oh you're seeking to do that i actually know I a, a person guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah i know a person great that guy. can help yeah. i'll make an introduction right. right you become more valuable to them right as well but those incentives like i i want on a probably last question here but those incentives the structure i think the inverse of that unfortunately is like you said where we get an increase to our revenue right and that employer is paying more money. Like, and, and when you start to really understand and unpack it, we've talked about commissions and the stop loss right. and how that might actually make the employer pay even more money yeah, than right. you think. Like, I don't think people even think about that enough to go, well, wait, wait a second. You are designing this strategy, but my costs are going up. What, you're making more money. I don't even yeah, think right. they make that connection most right. of the time yeah. until you point it out. And that's one of those just broad-based behaviors that I think just just casting a light on. I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to demonize and right. say you were wrong and everybody that ever did this was bad. But if we all can agree, that's a very hard way to, to argue for if right. I explained it to you properly. Well, we, right. we talked about this earlier. When it comes to just the general healthcare, you know, when people think of the cost of healthcare, most people don't have good things to say about it, right? Yeah, unfortunately. And you're yeah. either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. Yep. And so I think the there are folks, unfortunately, that can be, and again, not to demonize, but it's just it's part of the industry that are part of the problem. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're and they're kind of when we talk about trimming the fat on some of these plans, they're kind of part of the reason that the fat is there. And so that's where hopefully Cliff and I can come in. I think a big part of what we do is educate because mm -hmm. to your point, people don't, people don't either A, know about or B, want to talk about this, their, what their commission, commissions are in stop loss. And they'd rather just kind of, hey, whatever makes sense to you guys. And, but they're putting that trust in you. So I feel like it's also our obligation to try and educate them on, yeah. here's how mm -hmm. this works. And y'all did a good job of putting, here's how a dollar flows through and why that matters to you. I think that that's a huge part of what we do because that's to me, one, how you gain trust, but two, how you elevate the conversation. And we talked earlier, 
I try and lead whenever we're meeting with CFOs or business school buddies and things like that. People are like, oh, benefits and this like this squishy thing. And we're all just, you know, having wellness fairs all the time and stuff like that. And like, it's important, but like, yeah. there's a lot more to it. But no, I'm like, no, I'm talking about your second or third largest line item yeah. on your, on your, on your budget or on your PL. Is that, are we, you know, if we're talking about seven figure numbers and six figure savings or more, is that worth a conversation? And I think that's part of where that education piece comes yeah. in because people are just like, oh, benefits mm -hmm. is this fluffy thing. No, it's a huge, it's a huge deal. It's a huge Spend. Well, the way I look at it is again, shine light on it, educate people. It's going to resonate with probably a lot of people once they connect. Some people it won't, and that's also okay, yeah. right? Then mm -hmm. we just don't do business together. We don't work together. Yeah. I'm perfectly fine with that. But speaking of do business together and work together, you guys told me over coffee, you'll will sometimes co consult, right? Yeah. Like, so I'd love to hear like how when you guys partner together on a case kind of the things that each one of you bring to the table, but why you think maybe together you guys make such an impact for an employer. So I'll go to you, Cliff, first, yeah. and then come to you, yeah. Winston. Yeah, like, Cliff, what do you bring to yeah, the table? What, yeah, so Cliff, what, what, do you share? what first, would you say you do a here? a piece of philosophy. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of, you know, like a rising tide will raise all ships. Yes. Uh, bottom line. Um, neither of us, Winston or myself, are in this for ourselves. Yes, it, it feeds our families. But again, it fulfills that sense of service that we both have. Yeah. It's, it's engaging and hard. It's a hard puzzle. So it's fun. It, it's, it's unique and it's interesting. So I, I think just from a, a personality standpoint, Winston and I, we just mesh very well. Um, I'm, I'm probably, I would say, more regimented than Winston. I, I mean, I'm up at, at 4.30 every day. Mm -hmm. I, I'm working out. I, I have a routine that I like. Uh, How do you uh, know I'm not up at 4.30? Anyway. <laughs> well, but also, so Winston was telling, giving me, you a hard time over coffee, right? You're more regimented, but Winston was here earlier. Right. Even though yes. you stayed last yeah, night. Yeah, he stayed at a hotel so like five minutes away. I flew and he in drove from in this Houston, morning and he beat you to coffee. Still still you. Sometimes it works in his favor yeah. to not have a plan. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or a better plan. <laughs> so my, my plan didn't, didn't work but out. So but so are you kind so. of a more of an executor operator, if you will? Yeah, like a yeah, plan so is there and then you go follow yeah, so through I, on I, it? I resonate very well with COOs and CFOs yeah, just yeah. because... I, I can dissect and pull apart what does this look like? Mm -hmm. How does this impact and lay out a three to five year, you know, time scale of, hey, these are what all these decisions are likely to do That's to the it. business, to do to the people. And I can do that fairly well and have that sort of longitudinal uh, conversation. Uh, Winston, and I'll let him speak to it, is, oh, is he's just better at engaging on a personality level. He's like this podcast, for instance, I, I listened to it. I wouldn't have thought to, you know, approach you and, and come on to it and went to say, Hey, we should do this. I think it'd be a good idea. Well, yeah, let me go say that out loud. People always go, well, how do I get on your podcast? Sometimes you just ask. Yeah. And I go, I yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. Send me a LinkedIn message. And it was like within a day. If it's compelling enough, I'm like, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. But so first off, do you agree with everything he said? Like as his own self? Yeah. No, yeah. most of, most of the most things. Of yeah. True. Most yeah. of it's fairly most, true. Yeah. Most of all. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to, we'll put like disclaimers at the bottom of this. Technically. Yeah. No, I mean, but I'd like to kind of like, so then obviously you guys mesh well together, but when you mesh well together, that means the complimentary skill set. It's not a redundant skill set. On paper, if you look at us, you know, one like essentially i'm i have hair and i'm you know much more you know enjoyable to be yeah, around here but yeah. he's got it here. yeah but yeah, he's got a great oh, beard a, yeah. i can literally just like we can like yeah. photoshop yeah. like you're, your beard out put, put his, yeah put his beard on my hair there you go <laughs> uh, no but but i think that coming you know yeah on paper we're both military veterans we're yeah. both uh rice mbas but we do we excel at different things and i think if you kind of are joining each other, whether it be, you know, co-founders of a business or, or for us, we each have our own business. And then sometimes we, what we call JV or joint venture 
business together if it makes sense for our skill sets. But then also, I mean, you know, as much as we like to give each other crap all the time, like I come, we both come from the military where a team is better than an individual. Mm -hmm. yeah. And at the same time, I want someone who I know has my back and I know Cliff has my back. And when we, we have conversations all the time where he might have a, a, a lead on a potential prospect or be, he's the one who got the meeting, which is the hardest part yeah. in our business. And then say, hey, Wince, I want you to come with me. And then Cliff is ni much nicer than I am. And he'll be like, hey, let's do this 50-50 or something like that. I'm like, no, hey, you you did the work. Yeah. I'm just, you know, going in there. To, I'll be your note taker, you know, or something yeah. like that. So I think that, you know. We're, it, it comes down to trust, right? right. Like that's what it really yeah. is. And like the mutual trust, but you, you guys are going to pull each other in on a deal because you know together you guys can deliver right this right. because you, you have a developed a rapport and trust over time and then you know what the other person brings to the table so right. like i've i've uh, i recently did a um we shot a power cell funding with a guy named pete doran here at uh, uh pareto and pete i know any question i ever turn to even impromptu in the moment while we're shooting something about self-funding he knows the answer yeah. right there's an element of trust that that mm. person that partner that you're standing there with will be able to facilitate or fill in the gaps of things that i might not i might not know yeah, right? yeah. yeah. no that so that's a perfect example so winston i'm and this is a weakness of mine a fault is i'm i'm sometimes a little too literal and i and i'll look at things and i, I don't draw out sort of the drivers behind it. So Winston in a conversation, if, if we're in a meeting, we'll come away from, I'll say, hey, so this is what it looks like, the issues. No, didn't you hear him say, you know, X, Y, and Z? Like, that's their thought process behind it. I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't. I yeah. did not hear that. Okay. And we listened to the same conversation, yeah. but he's pulling parts of it that, that I just didn't even hear. Yeah, so. fair enough. Well, so let's talk about kind of the employers, like clients, right? Like, yeah. you know, not necessarily a specific niche or a specific mm -hmm. industry, but like, what are the types of maybe employer partners that you are drawn to because you know you do well with them. So I'll start with you, Winston. Like, what do you look for? Who yeah. do you like to work with? I think, I mean, a there's a lot to unpack for what the HR function does. Mm -hmm. And even for this CFO who a lot of times is overlooking that kind of line item and responsible for the, the budgeting side and sometimes also for the, the business side of it. So I'm looking for folks who are trying to improve, but are just trying to figure out, hey, how can we do this the right way? And looking for like a thought partner to do it. So again, it's it's not necessarily size wise. I, I probably have about 50-50 in terms of fully insured and, and self-funded clients uh, in my experience thus far. And obviously the push is usually to get to a self-funding, uh, you know, position where you feel yeah. comfortable, but it's also a risk appetite, right? We can have the conversation and they're just not ready yet to do that. And that's okay as long as it's part of the path. So to answer your question, I think that the, the biggest part is, you know, I'm looking for someone who generally does care about and want to do better for their employees, mm -hmm. but they need to do it in a economically sustainable way because right. they can't just give away the farm and then, you know, they still need to have a business that's, you know, I mean, gonna be around payroll. in five or yeah, 10 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. so, and, but but I think that where, where Cliff and I come from and, and the people that we like to partner with are folks that, like I said, aren't looking for a vendor. They're looking for a partner who's gonna come in and help them to kind of dissect the puzzle that, you know, that Cliff talked about earlier, that's, really tough you know what i mean like and there's coming out of covid it wasn't just like healthcare stuff it was like mental health and mm -hmm. coming back to the office and do we you know vaccination no vaccination you know all these different you know political things that are up in the air and 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 people are having to tackle a lot so coming in i think for people to say we can't do this on our own or we would like some assistance of folks who maybe take a little bit broader mm -hmm. lens 
and, and to come in and give advice and to have a conversation. And then, of course, it comes down to some of the healthcare stuff and, and, and being a, a broker partner and a consultant. But that's, that's a long-winded answer. But I think that that's what we're looking for is people well, who a, want to par- be partners. Like I yeah. said, persona, right? Yeah. I mean, Clifford, do you want to... Uh, no, so ahead. that's exactly right. it, A growth mindset. If you're a, if you're a C-suite who has a growth mindset, who wants to look at opportunities to provide value, to grow in different ways, to, to look at the puzzle differently. Mm-hmm. That's who I want to work with. I, I want to work with somebody who's going to have that conversation, who's going to really be thoughtful uh, about what they're asking and what they're doing. Um, and that could be, you know, a hundred life employee, 50, a thousand, you know, it, it's, it, that doesn't matter. It's, it's all about that mindset and that culture of that company. You know, do they want to, you know, ruffle the feathers a little bit if they need to, which in my opinion, most of them yeah, do. Yeah, most of them. I yes. would agree that um, most of them need to, but like, uh, like why don't we, tra- well, actually, before I go to that, I think that's why we, why, why Pareto resonated with me is that there's an opportunity now and we, we focus on that small to mid market segment. Yeah. So 50 up to maybe 750 to a yeah. thousand sweet spot. Like those employers now have access yep. to solutions that yeah. used to be reserved for the 10,000 life group. Yep. Right. Not only cost containment programs, but stop loss contracts mm-hmm. and the captive uh, vehicle itself makes it possible, but it makes it repeatable. It makes it now scalable yeah. for us. And so I like the fact that there's something that you can offer that group that you trust, that is built, that has yeah. the right structure. They get to join those you know, 800,000 million belly buttons that are on the plans. And they get to benefit just like a 10,000 life group. So that's, to me, that's the opportunity. That size segment, there's so much opportunity for consultants like you guys, for us. Um, To mine, it's nearly an infinite market for us to go after. But you get to work with somebody that's still in a phase where the things that you do will be noticeable on their yeah, bottom exactly. line, right? It'll truly yeah. impact the future. When those 10,000 life groups have a whole benefits team, you know, at least like yeah. a benefits director, oh, benefits team, all yeah. that. If you're with a business owner who, uh, or a or CFO or something like that, where they're, call it 500, 600 lives, a lot of times you got maybe one, you know, an HR director and then one or two people on it who are responsible for running this massive, you know, line item with all these mm-hmm. different kind of levers to be able to pull on. And if you're self-funded, to be able to have someone who's a partner to help you out, um, whether it be kind of someone on our side as a consultant or like for your standpoint of being able to go in there and show value. Yeah. I think that then if they grow or even if they stay the same size, like you are an integral part of their team. And back to the point we were talking about earlier, when when they're thinking about business decisions, now they're like, well, who do I, tr- like, who do I trust? Who's helped me as I've built this business? And you're part of that discussion. And to me, there's no bigger like kind of honor, I guess, than to be yeah able to be part of those discussions with them. Well, I was going to say there, I told you, I think I told you guys this over coffee. I I got to go to Las Vegas for a couple of broker events and twice we got asked the same question after, afterwards wrapping up chatting with people as a post, you know, kind of debrief. Like, why aren't more people doing this? It's like, what, what, what's the downside? What, 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 how come every employer doesn't do that? And I love when you get to that point where people are trying, they're in their head, the wheels are turning. Like, what am I missing? This sounds too good to be true. And you can give them some caveats and Hey, that's not everything is hunky dory and rosy, but that's the conclusion we hope most people come to when they hear these stories is why is everybody not doing this? My answer is typically because the majority of employers and even the majority of consultants aren't comfortable with this subject right. matter. Well, They're not proficient. Enough, yeah, right? you, you look at the time scale and, and you just said it, it's only relatively recent that it's been even available to some of these yeah. smaller, yeah. you know, mid-market groups. So there's so much value to unlock 
in that market segment that they, like Winston said, they will appreciate because it's material impact to their business, yep. to the thing that they have created. And it ta- and that's what takes care of their families. That's what takes care of, I mean, you provide jobs for, let's call it a thousand people. That's, you know, a thousand families. Like that's impactful. And if you can provide real tangible value to that, I mean, it's... Well, you don't need a bigger why than that, right? Exactly. Like, that just, one, personally, is so self-fulfilling, and and it's real to a lot of people. It's a real impact. Well, and before we zoom out to the big picture of healthcare, because I would love your perspective, especially military, Mm -hmm. TRICARE, like, I would love to hear you weigh in on kind of the big picture of healthcare, what role private and public sector might play, in your opinion. But I think the subject I wanted to come back to is... uh, the, the evolution of what falls on your plate nowadays. Yeah. So give me something like two or three things that you are being commonly asked all the time now that used to a few years ago fall outside the purview of a, a benefits consultant. Like what are, what are you being, what are you talking about yeah. right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that post COVID a lot of it, and this is, you know, not going to be a surprise, but it was on the mental health side. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that a couple of times. I want to hear like, give me some more specifics on the yeah, mental I mean, health. Just, well, I, I think that, well, it's, it's twofold. And again, this is, this is less on the healthcare side or mental, mental health is, but the different resources. I think we have a huge mental health shortage of people who are out there, whether it be like counselors and things like mm-hmm. that to help. So then there's all these telehealth kind of options that come out, but not all of them are created the same. I want to say they, I saw something that there was something like two or 300 uh, mental health kind of apps and stuff like that mm-hmm. that have come out in the in the last like three or four years, basically wow. since COVID started. But again, not of them are not all of them are created the same. So how do you filter through the noise and what actually yeah. is meaningful that's mm-hmm. out there? Um, I think that's part of it. I think the succession discussion is a is a big one. I okay. think there's a lot of the the kind of size that we're talking about segment. If you own a you know in Houston, if you own a 500 person uh, pipe distributor and your kids don't want to go into the pipe distributing business, you're looking for you know who's gonna lead my company. I, I'm responsible for the 500 families that, that Cliff alluded to, you know, who am I going to hand this company yeah. over to? And I don't want to turn it over to private equity or whomever, like good, bad, or ugly. That, that's just, you know, the opinion that they have. So uh, who's going to take over my business? And I think that, um, that's been, that's been something that's been top of mind okay. that we've had those conversations about. And again, these are all conversations that are outside of healthcare, but it's back to the people solution side of how do I grow the next generation of leaders at my company? And those are conversations well, that's even that we happening were happening inside of our benefits oh, yeah. industry, right? Yeah. There's yeah. A, a knowledge gap, a talent gap, whatever yep. you call it, where there is a kind of that, the generation that was running these shops that we've kind of talked about that is looking for the succession, whether that's sell yeah. or whether that's, you know, pass the baton, but there's a perceived, I don't know if it's entirely true of a gap generationally of people ready to take over these yeah. organizations. How do you feel about that? Do you agree that that's the case or do you think that's overstated that there's a lack of ability? Claim doc is a medical claim auditing and member advocacy company. We provide fiduciary services to employer sponsored benefit plans, allowing them to create an environment where we ensure that the benefit plans are being charged in a fair and reasonable basis. My business is basically people and it become a real simple transition. We thought it was gonna be far more complex. I've saved, we'll say hundreds of thousands of dollars. I could not say enough about ClaimDoc. So I, I can, from a, an industry standpoint, I can only speak to my experience right. at my previous employer and now at Lockton. And, and, I, and I think you, you do, to a certain degree, see, you know, this sort of barbell. You know, on, on one end, you've got folks that are ready to sunset. They're, mm-hmm. they're ready to go enjoy time off and, and do what they want to do, you know, outside of work. And then you've got a, a very narrow band 
of, of people that are about our age, you know, um, that are either relatively new to industry or have been in it for a while, maybe in just different roles. And that's sort of, you know, the cue to, to take over this end. And then you've got another, you know, barbell on the other end of, of younger entrants yeah, that are, yeah. Yeah, that are, yeah, that are just brand new. So I, I think anecdotally from what I've seen that that is fairly accurate. Um, I, I mean, as I look around the, the last two companies we've been at, there were many more sunsetters and, and very young folks. Uh, as like, I don't think of us, us, we're not like particularly young, but yeah, in, I like in, to think I'm very well, young. You can, but the gray hairs in your beard. Every otherwise. once in a while, I feel young. Uh, but then, yeah. I was actually, I had this conversation the other, you know, segue, like, when do you start to feel old? We were at a, a Texans training camp event. I was like, man, I feel like I could still get out on that field and, and do that. You know, I was kind of like, hey, I got a hundred bucks if you go out yeah, on yeah. the field and go do that, and I can videotape you yeah, getting yeah. trucked by a so, Texans player. Completely not true. I would yeah. hurt myself. Well, you wouldn't hurt yourself someone else would hurt you too well, yeah um but yeah, yeah. Well, no, i said so not to segue too much but I, I feel the same like it's not that i could go out and run around the field like i feel like the touch you know soccer yeah. you'd be able mm-hmm. to trap a ball pass a ball still there i would be so slow yeah by comparison yeah, yeah. those guys would be lightning uh, yeah, compared yeah. to me running around the field but I, I think it's true i like the way you described that barbell i've never heard that analogy before i think that's fantastic i do look like we're all we're in that segment that is the liaison. We are that narrow band right. between. I feel like I can relate and would love to help pass the baton of this knowledge to the the brand new entrants to the market. But I talk a lot and deal with a lot of the executive level folks in yeah. the industry, and I do feel like there's a there's only a few of us. So I don't know if people by attrition leave our industry because they get burnt out or something yeah. or or seek to do something else. But yeah, why why do you feel like there's not a lot of people ready to take over these businesses? Well, I, I think that. I don't know. I think it's, you're saying in, in terms of the insurance space? Yeah, yeah, let's yeah, talk yeah, insurance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me. no, I mean, I, I think that we, we kind of joke around in our office. We, we have the, some of the talent acquisition people are around there, and we, we just say, like, hashtag insurance is boring. Yeah, Because yeah. people just think, like, it's insurance. Like, who's, you know, growing up and they're eight, and you're like, I want to be Superman. I want to be a police officer. Like, I want to be an insurance broker. broker. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like, no one's thinking that. And so, not saying that, like, obviously, it's, you're, you're the same as a little bit officer. of a PR problem yeah. in yeah. our industry, yeah. I think. But I sure. think that that's part of it, right? And so, I, I came from what, you know, coming out of business school, being a strategy consultant at a big four firm is like a, is, is a really great spot to be. But I was traveling around all the time. Like, I was paid pretty well, but not, not anything, you know, crazy for out of business school. But I've found it to be both financially and so, like, I've got four kids under eight. I'm able to coach football and coach soccer and I'm home every night for dinner for the, you know, obviously if there's some travel here and there, but it's a great lifestyle yeah. and it's a great way to have an impact. And, and so anyways, I think that that story to your point of the PR problem, and that's why we do our like insurance is boring just kind of as a joke is like, it's actually a great industry that is really a kind of a, a gem that people don't think about. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd like, I would like it not to be one of the best kept secrets, right? right. I, I don't think yeah. anybody ever sat me down when I was in college and was like, have you considered this as a career track? Nobody well, said Cliff, no, Cliff yeah, is this, no. until my previous employer reached out to me, I didn't even know this was a job. Yeah. Well, that maybe maybe we need to go figure out how we get on college campuses and go talk about yeah. how well, amazing insurance. So is. that, yeah. as as I understand it, again, I, I didn't grow up in it. That used to be a thing. So when I'll, I ta- I have a couple of mentors in the industry. I, I think everybody should. Um, they talk about that. You know, they they talk about this problem that we're talking about now, and they say, hey, it didn't used to be like this. It used to be 
you know, firms, agencies, carriers were on campuses heavily and mm-hmm. invested in, in creating, you know, a really solid talent pipeline. And that, that has kind of gone away. Um, yeah, and that's probably a def- different conversation for a different day, but I'd love yeah, to yeah. understand the why behind that. But exactly. why don't we go into kind of land the plane, if you will. Although mm-hmm. You guys just jump out of planes, and I think both yeah. have bad knees because of that. Yeah. But let's <laughs> land the plane virtually through the podcast. Um, big picture of healthcare. And yeah. I'd love your perspective, having been inside the military with TRICARE mm-hmm. as well. But both your perspective, there's no wrong answers, broadly solving this. Like if we were going to know where is the industry going, what do you think some of the dynamics are going to be? What role does uh, uh, you know single payer play, if any? You know, I've, I know we'll have opinions on that, uh, but I'd love to just hear you guys. You know, kind of wax poetic about about that that question. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, a good or bad answer, but I I generally and I, I think I enjoy my time in the army, and, and I'm still in the reserves, so none of the opinions I say represent the uh, myself or the DoD. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have to like put that out there, but no, I mean, I I honestly think that most of the time this is maybe the Texan in me, but the more that the government gets involved, the messier things mm-hmm. get, mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think that that's the answer. That being said, though, the uh, free market that is healthcare can't go unchecked. And we've seen, whether it be air ambulances or hospital bills, I think that a lot of the things that um, different administrations have done in the past, a lot of it, again, it's coming out of a good place of we want, you know, we, we want to try and help and make this you know, bring some solutions. And I think that the surprise billing act that came out from the previous administration was good. And, and there are things that are being done where everyone's saying there's a massive problem with mm-hmm. the cost of healthcare. Mm-hmm. And I think that the part where we hope to be part of the solution is that most people get their healthcare through their employers. And we are the ones who advise the employer. So I would imagine that we can have some kind of impact on the cost of healthcare and trimming the fat. I think a big part of it though is is the fact that we just need to figure out, I guess the the, the financial piece of it and 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 the folks that can't afford healthcare that essentially the other the insurance firms or people with insurance then do pay for. I think some of that's a little bit overblown, but I think that it's it's basically a problem. I'm not going to pretend to have the solution now, yeah. but I do think that it's not a government solution. Just to be kind of kind of frank about it, um, but I do think that there's the government and private industry has to get together and, and do something that kind of figures it out. And I don't mean private industry like the carriers yeah. where then it all just happens Go in favor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, this is it. I don't know if it's ever really truly a, a completely free market, right? There's always right. going to be, um, you know, public policy. There's always going to be lobbying. There's always going to be efforts that to sway opinion. Right, or sway. And then I think, like you said, it does get a little bit messier when government intervenes because there's always unintended consequences right. or unforeseen mm-hmm. you know things that happen as a result of what seemed like on the surface a good policy yeah. decision like the small and, thing called the ACA a few yeah. years back yeah yeah things like that right yeah. so like medical loss ratio same yeah. yeah let's let's make sure that they only pay a certain percent or they get a certain percentage of profit well what do they want to have happen on the other side just expenses right. so right. they make more right. profit or I'll funnel uh, pharmacy money over here and not be subject to medical loss ratio yeah. restrictions things like that right like you can always play the game as a result of the yeah. new regulations and figure out how to continue to win so I, I don't want to overstep you what, what would you like to say about that that question yeah so. no i so first to address the government we're just tackling small things yeah, yeah. Okay. you government listen uh I, I don't know that the government at scale has ever done anything great um given choice to the government to solve our problems they're just going to tell us what to do and, and that just 
has never worked out well. They just, they're just, that's just not what they're designed to do. The government is not designed to do that. Um, so you're asking it to do something that it's incapable of doing. Fundamentally, it's incapable of doing yeah. it because it's not designed to do it. Um, so I, I don't think that'll ever be a solution. Uh, well, then how do we enter ourselves to the like private that. sector towards the solution? So I, I think it, one step at a time. You know, yeah. we, we talked about this earlier. If you look at it holistically, it is an insurmountable problem. Yeah. And, it, and it's almost depressing when you look at it uh, from, from that perspective and that scale. So it's one step at a time. It's, it's what can we do? How can we change our own, you know, ecosystems and landscapes? I think technology uh, is going to play a huge role uh, in creating transparency, which is hopefully going to change the way things are priced. I'm sure they'll, they'll probably do what you just talked about, which is, you know, inflate, create, spread somewhere that you can't see and, and, and do that. I'm sure that'll happen. But I think with increased transparency, the market will have to adjust to it. Um, so I think technology is going to play a big issue. Uh, yeah, no, I think I truly, the knowledge is power is kind of a common yeah. cliche, but it truly is, man. Yeah. I think the role that I can play is more people are aware that this yeah. is out there. Yes. You guys are shining a light on incentive practice. You're shining a light on mental health solutions. The more people that are aware that these things exist, the better decisions that can be made as a result yeah. of that. And I think having conversations about it is where, where it starts, right? Yeah. You guys get to influence at an employer level. I get to influence kind of at a broad, just discussion-based level. But collectively, we get to work together to solve problems mm -hmm. for one employer at a time. And I think that's the, the fun thing that we get to yeah. do. Yeah, and like you said, and not the faceless employer. Yeah. It's, is the, yeah. is the, the family behind you know, each employee. And you know, we talk about when we, you know, in our business, we talk high-cost claims and things like that. And like, oh, we had a high-class claim hit. That's that's a huge personal event for somebody yeah. if they're a high cost claim, mm -hmm. right? They either was were diagnosed with some life changing thing, but like that's where I think that to humanize this mm -hmm. more, and I think that that goes back to what we're saying is to to humanize it, to educate, and and I think that you hit the nail on the head is like the trans transparency is key. Like whether it be on your you know for your broker consultant where hey, we're transparent, we're going to sit down across the table and say, this is what we get paid, yep. et cetera, et cetera, to make sure that, again, we're, not, we're part of the solution, not the problem. But then on the just healthcare as a whole, I think the, the last administration did a good job of trying to make things more transparent. So that way, you know, now obviously people still try and hide stuff and things like that. But I think that's moving in the right direction. Cool. Well, why don't we say closing thoughts, gentlemen? I want to leave the floor for each one of you just to sort of, whether it's a call to action or, you know, wanting to speak to a particular persona. What would you say to wrap up the, the conversation? What you'd want to leave the audience with? Oh, Cliff, you got to go first this I time. Go first this time? To you. I, I started off. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I would just say one, thanks for having us on. I, I think yeah. you're doing a great thing. Uh, I, I do want to meet some of the, the previous guests. Yeah, uh, happy uh, to make introductions. So I, yeah. I'd love to talk to some of those folks. But just to, to any employer out there, you know, to, to anybody that's in a position to influence what you're doing, you know, take, take an intentional look at how you're doing this thing that takes care of your people. W without the people, you don't have a business. It's not a math problem, it's a people problem. Let's solve for that, and then your business will grow. As a function of solving that problem, it'll grow, you'll do better, the families will do better, everybody will be better off. It'll be a net positive for everybody, and if that's the mindset you have, a growth mindset, love to talk to you. Yeah. Well said. Try to top that. Yeah. Oh, Too easy. Too easy. Yeah. Uh, Bar. Yeah. Please, he uh, like starts flexing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I'd say kind of final thoughts is we, we hit on a lot, a lot of the bigger points, but there, that there are families behind every one of the, you know, the, the decisions we make. And, and in, in my case, it was my family. Obviously I was on TRICARE at the time. So it's a whole nother, you know, discussion, mm -hmm. but like, I think that 
for us to basically understand that and, and, and put ourselves in the shoes of that parent in a ICU setting or something like that or spouse or whatever really starts to, and I think that when you also explain that to clients and that's where you're coming from, people don't see you because they kind of look at us and I'm not sure on for, for where you're coming from when you are in, is like a, the, the sales guy yeah. kind of oh, thing, yeah. which is totally Natural. fair. And yeah. like, obviously that's what we do to feed our families. But at the same time, like we've also are humans who have gone mm -hmm. through these, these, uh, these life events. And so I guess that the, the biggest thing that I would say is to, to be transparent and sit across from a, a business owner or a CFO or an HR director and try and understand where they're coming from and try and help be a partner and not a vendor. Um, and also that's, to, to the employers as well, look for a partner and not a vendor, you know, have a yeah. higher bar for the conversations Absolutely. you're having. Um, but yeah, I would say the biggest part is that we're all trying to help each other out and it's very kind of altruistic and, you know, I'm not just trying to do like unicorns and rainbows here to finish things off, but there were, we want to help each other, help each other out. We want to help companies out. We want to help families out to navigate the system when, when times are tough. Insurance doesn't come into play when things are good. It's usually when things are, are not so great. And so if we can make that, Set up that framework. Set up that yeah, framework yeah, yeah. a little bit so that way people are, are take, better taken care of. Then I think that's, we did our part. So. Awesome, man. Well, I love it. I'm going to speak just from my own uh, seat right here. This is, I thought this was a great podcast, fellas. And I, yeah. I genuinely mean that. Like the dynamic you have between each other, clearly you guys are friends, but you're also mission aligned. That's palpable uh, to me just as the host of the podcast. So I, I, I really, really enjoyed this episode. Thanks for reaching yeah. out and asking, you know, how do you get on? And, uh, you know, the, again, the answer is just ask. Uh, yeah. But you guys have, you've been great. We'll go hopefully grab some lunch after this, but it's very nice to meet you, yeah. fellas. Can't wait for this episode to come out. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. likewise. Thanks for Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah.